We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the X Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm going to be your host and your guide as together we cross the time space continuum to this place that I call the X Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talk Star Radio Network, the X Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, the Caribbean, Central America, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. Worldwide toll free, there's only one number 1 800 610 7035. My email address is xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, you can always chat with us here in our studios by typing in xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com and our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. A couple of quick notices. Uh, the X Chronicles newspaper starts its international distribution this coming weekend. That's number one. Number two, the X-Zone store is now reopened with plenty of new merchandise from the X-Zone radio show, the X-Zone TV show, and of course, our Paragators TV series. That's at www.xzonestore.com. X-Zone Nation, my first guest tonight is, um, well, let me tell you a little bit about him first. His name is Dr. Lou Bardisso, and uh, he is a, a, a former bishop. That's right. And we're going to be talking about, all right, mother, are you sitting down? Sex in the priesthood. How common is it? Now, as difficult as it is for some Roman Catholics to hop to uh, comprehend, uh, priests are men and very, very with needs, you know, 
for relationships and sex. You know, this could account for the surge in the number of gay, straight, and bisexual priests uh, with live-in partners, anonymous sexual activity, and illegitimate children. And it may also explain why so many priests are conflicted with a new moral dilemma. Well, my guest this hour is former bishop, the Most Reverend Lude Bordisso, a licensed marriage and family therapist for 25 years. Uh, he has a surveyed priests from around the country to, to discover the why behind the increase in consensual sex in the priesthood. And the answer was fairly straightforward. I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to let my guest this hour, Dr. Lou Bordisso, answer that. And uh, tell me, doctor, what's the answer? Oh, hi, Rob. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, well, there's a lot of um, answers to the question as to why uh, priests are, are having sex, but it's, it's not something that's brand new. It's been going on for many, many years, and you know, uh, since the beginning of the Church, mm-hmm. and over time there's been uh, censures from various popes and uh, religious administrators and bishops uh, that some have worked, some haven't. You know, the sanctions have been very yeah. severe from time to time, and uh, now we're seeing again a surge of, uh, of, of one and more honesty in in the priesthood and and in the church. Uh, I tell you, I, I wrote this book, um, and as a matter of fact, to, to tell the truth. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm I'm hoping to promote some more transparency and, and honesty in the church, because I think most Catholics are disgusted with the church's cover-ups, the veil of secrecy, and you know all the smoke screens that, right. uh, surrounding these public scandals that we can't miss in everyday media, you know, in the newspaper, on TV. Sure. Um, and so I offered these priests an opportunity, all you know, gay priests, straight mm-hmm. priests, bisexual priests, to speak anonymously in their own voices without any fear of retaliation. Uh, and they were pretty clear about their um, sexual behaviors. Uh, it, so it, it, it's, I think, a real-life eye-opener. And as you say, some Catholics might be offended, but at least it's, it's a start it's with a start. Uh, talking about the anonymous sex and, and ongoing relationships that, that these priests are having. All right, Doctor, you and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. When we come back, ExoNation, we're going to be talking about, are you ready for this? Sex, Celibacy, and Priesthood. That's the name of the good doctor's new book, Sex, Celibacy, and Priesthood. His website is www.sexcelibacyandpriesthood.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break with Dr. Lou. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My guest this hour is Dr. Lou Bordisso. He is the author of a new book that's going to shake the Vatican. I swear I can just see the Pope uh, getting his tranquilizers ready right now as uh, we're talking about this. The book is entitled Sex Celibacy and Priesthood. His website is www.sexcelibacyandpriesthood.com. Maybe, Dr. Lou, we can just go back a little bit in time. Why was it, or why is it, that priests are supposed to be celibate. God, they're human beings. Indeed they are. Uh, boy, you know, we go back in time. You, you could start it around the, up until about the third century. Mm-hmm. Uh, celibacy was uh, not, not an issue in the early church. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere around between the third and the 11th century, it was more on a regional basis where various communities were kind of popping up and, and at local levels, there were, were um, uh, options for uh, celibate chastity, spe- specifically for people who were living in in uh, community. Uh, but then you got around the time of the Council of Trent, around the 11th century and so on, uh, and it was more of a universal uh, codified expectation of celibacy. And, and you also had some you know, dualistic thinking, and the separation of the sacred and the profane. Mm-hmm. So... It was really intended for people who had the charism or the gift of, of, of celibacy, who wanted to live in community, such as monks mm-hmm. or nuns, which you get both in Christianity sure. as well as in other major religions like Hinduism and Buddhism, for example. Uh, and and that can, because of some theorized because of financial reasons and power and control and money, uh, we got into a place where celibacy has been imposed rather than uh, an option for those who freely choose celibacy in a response to what they consider to be God's call. Now, how come in some religious philosophies, and I'm an Anglican, I was, uh, let's see, I was baptized a Roman Catholic, but then my mom got into a, an argument with the church, and I we left that church, and then I was rechristened a, an Anglican. Uh, yes. You know, there are, there are members of the clergy and the Anglican faith uh, faith that that are married that are living in relationships uh you know it's it seems more natural when you go to church now please i hope that I, i'm not going to offend any any catholics out there that certainly isn't my my uh my goal by saying this but it seems more natural to to go to a church where someone is married and they can understand if there's any crisis within the marriage how to better handle it because they've got a better handle on it Oh, indeed, and and in the uh, Roman Catholic Church, mm-hmm. I think that uh, congregations are much more receptive to married deacons who yeah. are ordained clergy uh, when they're preaching, uh, especially around sexuality, marriage, family issues. Uh, then they are of, of, of quote unquote celibate uh, priests, and and we also have, by the way. And, unfortunately, is the more conservative end of the Anglican tradition coming over to the Roman Catholic side to find some refuge in their conservative agenda. But nevertheless, we do have married Episcopal priests uh, coming to be Roman Catholic priests, and they are also ordained and Mm -hmm. have families and uh, are being supported by the Church. So it's in today's Roman Catholic Church, there are, in fact, uh, married clergy, we have uh, obviously uh, deacons mm-hmm. and and 
newly accepted uh, Episcopal uh, priests. And, and I, I'm not so sure if there's Lutherans now that I'm thinking about it, but there may be a few Lutherans mingled in there. It, it, you say that most priests view celibacy as, as something imposed and unnatural. Can you elaborate on that, sir? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, celibacy is a condition mm-hmm. uh, for ordination in the, in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, I was ordained within the old Catholic Church, which, okay. by the way, is in full communion with the Episcopal Church, um, or, uh, traditionally. And um, I, I left the old Catholic uh, faith tradition when I retired, and I actually reconciled with, uh, with Rome, but I'm not in active ministry. Uh, I, I am in you know, private practice. But it, it, it is definitely something that's uh, not a, a calling for all people uh, who are wanting to be priests. Now, there's, I don't think there's a lack of vocations. I mm-hmm. think that there's just a lack of creative thinking on the part of the Roman Catholic authorities. And we have women who want to be priests. Right. We have married priests who want to return to the priesthood and never got laicized. Uh, and we have uh, also people who feel called to a, a true uh, gift of, of celibacy and celibate chastity. Uh, it's just a matter of the Church recognizing the vocations that are already there. I do not believe there's a vocation crisis. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there are plenty of, uh, of, uh, of uh, people waiting in the wings wanting to get into active ministry in the, in the, in the uh, Church, but the Church is not willing to uh, extend an invitation to those who are already married or, or uh, other than uh, deacons. Is this another way that the Catholic Church and other religious philosophies are trying to modernize themselves? Because it seems that the old doctrine isn't working with today's society. Yes, and, and I would say that uh, the, the downside of imposed celibacy, mm-hmm. as you say, is not working. Yeah. Uh, imposed celibacy, uh, unfortunately, has become a safe haven for uh, men who enter the seminary who have unresolved sexual conflicts or even a hiding place for seminarians and priests who have arrested what I call arrested psychosexual development. And so we have sexually immature men who are drawn to quote-unquote celibate priesthood who want to deny their sexual feelings, and it comes out, their sexual feelings comes out in, in negative ways, and they have sexual acting out, Mm -hmm. and it leads to all sorts of possible sexual violence, abuse, addictive sexual behaviors, or other, you know, addictive behaviors like we're all aware of, at least this is talked about, uh, alcoholism in the priesthood or other substance abuse, gambling, uh, or or people who want to, uh, are addicted to work, you know, or perfectionists, so their, their denial of their sexuality uh, and their sexual urges is, is coming out in all sorts of negative ways. When somebody enters the priesthood, are there any psychological profile examinations that they go through to see if they can live up to the, the reputation and the power that a priest actually uh, wields in his, in his community? There are. Uh, there, the screening has uh, gotten... Uh, much more intense since the scandals have uh, come to light mm-hmm. uh, with 
consenting adults as well as the whole pedophilia issue, which is a separate issue. Uh, but the screening is, is definitely there. What, what I would say the seminaries are still lacking uh, in this regard is an open and honest discussion while a person is in formation about, uh, about sexuality and sexual orientation because there's still uh, the fear of uh, retribution uh, or retaliation if, if, if you talk openly in the seminaries or in houses of formation. Uh, rarely, uh, if at all, do seminaries or formation mm -hmm. programs, uh, it, some scholars have actually surveyed uh, in a systematic way all seminaries in the United States, and there are no classes and the virtues and values of healthy celibate living. Absolutely none. Now, there are some classes and some seminaries on sexuality, human sexuality in general, and homosexuality in particular, so that the, they can teach the formal and official uh, uh, disciplines of the, of the Roman Catholic Church in the seminaries. But for individuals to discuss this uh, in a seminary program uh, with other seminarians or with the um, or with the staff or, or authority figures is, is really putting themselves at risk of not getting ordained. So, therefore, you have this culture of duplicity and deceit and dishonesty, uh, and uh, it's this don't ask, don't tell type of uh, situation. Has there been any comment from His Holiness or, or members of his Vatican staff when it comes to, uh, you know, the the release of celibacy within the Roman Catholic Church? Uh, yes, and it's on. It comes down on the side of um, the traditional understanding of uh, celibacy. This this Pope in particular, and John Paul before him, uh, the second has uh, have been very very. Um, Staunch about uh, retaining uh, the traditional understanding of celibacy within the church, and they mm. seemingly uh, do not want to budge on this issue. Uh, it's, it's, uh, nor do they want to have any discussions around uh, women clergy. But uh, th those are two issues that are are, are non-negotiables with this particular pope. Uh, but that's not to say things can't change. Yeah, I mean, exactly. This is not a dogma. <laughs> the Roman Catholic Church. It's a simple practice and discipline that was instituted around the time of, around the 11th century, mm -hmm. and it, it can change as other things have. I mean, Roman Catholics are familiar with uh, not being able to eat meat on Fridays, for example, and for years on end, for centuries on end, and then what happens? Things have changed. That's a discipline. That's not a dogma in the Church. So just as that has changed, although it's obviously a different example, uh, celibacy in the church uh, and the, uh, the the practices and disciplines of celibacy in the church can move forward. Uh, it, it doesn't have to remain as static as it is. You and I have to take another uh, break, uh, Doctor. We'll be back on the other oh. side of the news. Exonation, a very interesting in, for, in uh, conversation with a very interesting man. He's the author of Sex, Celibacy, and Priesthood. His name is Dr. Lou Bordiso. Uh, he is a former bishop, and his website is www.sexcelibacyandpriesthood.com. That's www.sexcelibacyandpriesthood.com. 
sexcelibacyandpriesthood.com. Once again, the name of the book is the name of his website, Sex Celibacy and Priesthood. I'll be back on the other side of the news with some fine words from our sponsors with our good guest this hour, Dr. Lou, as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. This is The X-Zone. Don't go away. have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www. .exoneradiotv.com I believe it's meant to be Well, I've got to tell you something, Exo Nation. Uh, Burton Cummings should meet our guest this hour, Dr. Lou Bordisso. He is a former bishop, and we're talking about uh, Dr. Lou's new book entitled Sex, Celibacy, and Priesthood. His website is www.sexcelibacyandpriesthood.com, and that's andpriesthood.com. And his book is available online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. 1-800-610-7035, worldwide, toll-free. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com and on MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. Dr. Lou, where does it say in the Bible that a priest must be celibate? Uh, well, it doesn't. This is more of a tradition and a discipline within mm-hmm. the Church, uh, with, uh, at least the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and and so, you know, uh, uh, traditional ch- Orthodox churches have optional uh, uh, celibacy, and you'll find celibate chastity as a uh, a, a virtue uh, among most major world religions. Um, 
so it, it's pretty consistent worldwide mm-hmm. as, as a virtue, as long as it's a freely chosen response to an invitation uh, by God uh, to live a celibate chaste lifestyle, and it's not something that's mandated or imposed. But All right. you're not going to find it in the Bible. Okay, um, if, 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 if it's the person's own will and mm-hmm. his choice that he believes is given to him by God to be celibate, and he's allowed to become a priest. Why is it then that those who have not received the celibacy uh, anointment from God are rejected or discriminated against becoming priests? You know, it, it's in in my opinion mm-hmm. over the course of uh, history in the church, uh, it, it, celibacy as been a way by which to foster uh, dependency of priests, uh, both economically and emotionally, uh, on onto church and to church authorities. And so we're talking so about control here. Control and power and abuse of power. Indeed we are. So it, it, can we actually then compare the the way the church is looking at celibacy towards their their clergy by keeping them dependent on the church as a form of um, abuse that we would see in a relationship where a husband controls a wife using the same, the same kind of power, or a wife controls a husband. We can, but we have uh, also uh, some cooperation uh, by the person who is being mm-hmm. uh, abused. Uh, in that, the, there's rewards for those people who cooperate with this uh, unhealthy uh, system. It almost sounds and like a Helsinki syndrome. Indeed. Yeah. What, what indeed. are the rewards, sir? Moving up through the uh, clerical system and getting rewards with promotions mm-hmm. and advances of uh, becoming, oh, say, a monsignor or auxiliary bishop, becoming a bishop, uh, as long as you don't ask and don't tell, mm-hmm. uh, then you uh, are one of the good old boys who is uh, freely given um, given the gifts of uh, of uh, gratification of, of moving up the corporate system and the corporate ladder. You know, you you, 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 you use uh, corporate you know, cooperating power and abuse in yeah. corporation. You know, you you just said corporation, and I've always looked at uh, the the Vatican and Catholicism as as a major corporate entity. I know for a fact that the the Vatican owns millions and millions and even billions of dollars worth of real estate around the world, including the Montreal Stock Exchange in Victoria Square is owned by a company that when you do the tracking backwards, you end up in uh, in the bank of uh, the Vatican Bank, which is owned by the Vatican. So the way I look at it is, is that the Pope is the CEO. You've got the cardinals and the bishops who are the board of directors, and then you've got the people who go to church every Sunday dip into their pocket with their tithing, put it in the collection box of the shareholders. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, that that is a uh, that is a reality, uh, and the, I, I'm not so sure. Some people would describe uh, this, you know, corporate body uh, as uh, having a little more power and control at the local level uh, from the top down, but that's not always the case. There's a lot of protections uh, for 
and, and in fact, that's one of the reasons it's so difficult under canon law to get some of these abusive priests out of uh, 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 positions of authority as, a, say, a pastor in a local parish. Why? Why is it that? Why is it that canon law supersedes criminal law? You know, the church has always seen itself, uh, traditionally at least, as as being more uh, authentic, more genuine, if you will, mm-hmm. than uh, secular society. And so it sees itself in, in many ways as, as being uh, not necessarily above the law, but better than civil law. Has it come the time when society has outgrown the church? And there is no place in society for an organization like the Vatican and and the millions and billions of dollars that it that it has accumulated and amassed over the years. Well, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say we've outgrown the church because I it depends on you know of course how we're defining church. Mm-hmm. I would define church as the you know the body of Christ and right. the, the people of God. Yes. So I don't necessarily, based on that definition, think we've outgrown the church. I, I agree. Think I agree with you there. Model of church right. that's abused. Yeah. Just like I believe the the Second Amendment has been outgrown because when the Second Amendment was written, it you know the the weapon of the day was a muzzle loading uh, you know um, gun and not the AK fifteen or AAR fifteen that are being used today in shootings like the one in in uh, Aurora, Cal- Colorado. So so yeah. how do we, how, where's the happy medium here then, uh, Doctor? How do we keep both sides happy, but keeping the interest of those who, in my opinion, are most important here, and that's the parishioners. Mm. Well, first of all, we'd, we'd need to have, a, you know, I think, a, a, a transparent church. Mm-hmm. And so I propose, at least in the, in, in, in the book, as, as one other person, at least, uh, who is a former uh, Christian brother, Psalm is the last name, S-A-L-M, uh, but I go a little further in my book, and it's about the only time in the book that I actually offer my own voice and my own opinion. Otherwise, I remain silent unless the priests' uh, voice speak for themselves. Right. But I, I propose that the Church uh, base its uh, definition of celibacy and practice on, of celibacy not on the ideal of sexual abstinence, which is the traditional understanding of, 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 uh, of celibacy, but a model that is inclusive of um, of all sorts of of, of uh, places a person might be in their journey uh, uh, of celibacy. So I would embrace uh, the reality rather than the ideal, and view celibacy uh, as what I would like to call progressive celibacy, as a person is in formation, or Mm -hmm. a priest who may have denied or repressed or suppressed his sexual orientation, uh, and it's only now, as an adult, uh, trying to mature and become a more healthy person, is discovering who he is uh, sexually. Um, So... This model would include, you know, the traditional understanding, but also those people who are mm, uh, occasionally going to be uh, having a, a sexual encounter in order to um, move toward fidelity to their celibate uh, vow, and also uh, on the other end of the continuum, uh, those who are having ongoing sex. Uh, Hopefully they'll choose that uh, 
a road that will lead mm-hmm. them out of the priesthood if if they're not living their their life of fidelity uh, to the vows. But some fellows aren't going to do that. The reality is they're going to stay and they're going to continue to have anonymous sex or go to bathhouses or movie theaters, massage parlors, phone sex, wire boys, internet. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm basically I'm saying is let's let's base this on on the reality rather than the ideal, and that way at least we can have a little more honesty and transparency. Let's get them out of the closet. Yes, all sorts of people out yeah. of the closet. Just you know, not, not the uh, gay priest. No, no, no. That wasn't that wasn't uh, that wasn't uh, directed at anyone's sexual right, orientation. Right. But the way I what I what I see, sir, and and what I believe your book is trying to get across is that we need to get all this clear. As you said, we need transparency when it comes to uh, the the going ons, and, and because. I'm sure this must play heavy on the members of the clergy who who are doing this behind closed doors or in a closet. It must be doing something to them psychologically. I, I know they're getting a physical thrill out of it, but I mean psychologically. Right. Well, you know, there's a saying in Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I used to go to a lot of codependent mm-hmm. anonymous groups, <clears throat> and uh, there's a saying in 12-step programs in general that we're as sick as we're, our secrets. Yes. And... So, you know, emotionally, uh, we become unhealthy the more secrets that we keep. The more honest and transparent we can become, the more truthful we can become, uh, the healthier we are. And so that that is my hope in general for the Church, that we move from being a sick Church to a healthier Church, and uh, the same thing with individual priests, that emotionally uh, become more mature Mm -hmm. and more healthy as a result of not keeping these uh, secrets and living double lifestyles. Let me ask you this, sir. What have been the comments and feedback that you've received from friends and other members of the clergy on your book? Uh, It's been, uh, oddly enough, I I, I was thinking uh, as I wrote the book Mm -hmm. uh, that I was going to the wagons were going to circle around me, and uh, <laughs> Catholic apologists were going to come down on me very hard. Uh-huh. But the feedback I've been getting uh, among friends has been positive, of course. Yes. But on the internet, uh, I've been getting comments both from the far left and from the far right, both thinking I'm in their camp because I'm not very self-disclosing in the, right. in, the uh, in the book. So they they're making assumptions uh, because the book is written uh, in such a way that you can pretty much assume that I would be in either camp, uh, and so I've had positive comments on both sides. Well, plus you're plus you're a licensed marriage and family therapist. You've been doing this for twenty five years, so you've got credibility. Plus you've been a bishop, so you know all sides of the story. Right. And and I by the way I understand in some ways and I might be in the minority of this uh, uh, how some of the bishops might be offering some plausible deniability mm-hmm. uh, at the a corporate level for legal reasons. Um, I used to sit on a school board uh, locally, and uh, you know when teachers would get into trouble for various reasons, the the, the board itself uh, in a private charter school 
uh, would circle the wagons and yeah. have plausible deniability until it was time to disclose information to the general public because of legal consequences and financial consequences to the school. The same is true within church circles. I mean, it's it's a you know it is a legal corporate body yeah. and. Their role, in part, as, as a trustee, is to protect the corporation. Sometimes, and unfortunately, that's at the expense of the victims. And that that would go for schools as well, by the way, or, or any corporate. But in this case here, there's no such thing as a shareholders meeting. And you can't bounce out the members of the board of directors or have the CEO booted out either. Yeah, yeah, that that, that is a primary difference <laughs> between a charter school board of trustees sure. uh, or, or this is appointed and, and there's the old boys network and they reinforce one another. So I yeah. totally agree with you. Doctor, please stand by. You and I have to take our final break. Exxon Nation, here is the website, www.sexcelibacyandpriesthood.com. My guest this hour is Dr. Lou I'm going to spell his name so you can uh, Google it, B-O-R-D-I-S-S-O. That's Dr. Lou Bordisso, and uh, he's the author of Sex, Celibacy, and Priesthood. It's available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble online, and uh, a number of uh, brick-and-mortar stores are selling it as well. Once again, the name of the book, Sex, Celibacy, and Priesthood. The website, www.sexcelibacyandpriesthood.com. And uh, the good doctor and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break here on the X-Zone as we come to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Just a reminder that the X-Chronicles newspaper starts its international distribution this coming Sunday. And uh, for those of you who have just signed on and are taking our subscription, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, We've been publishing the X-Chronicles newspaper now for 20 years monthly. Wow, and we are the world's only paranormal parapsychology newspaper. www.xchronicles-newspaper.com forward slash newspaperstand.htm We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for two fifty. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just two dollars. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Lou Bordisso is our special guest. He's the author of Sex, Celibacy, and Priesthood. His website is www.sexcelibacyandpriesthood. Dr. Lou, what are the eight ethical standards all priests need to adhere to, uh, sexually active or not? Well, I, you know, the, these are um, some ethical standards that I've been putting together through the years, uh, and many of them actually come from my own seminary mm-hmm. education. 
But number one, uh, priests need to uh, respect professional uh, boundaries. Uh, it's it's all too often that the uh, the, the clergy and uh, abuse those uh, for for their own needs. Uh, and so, don't become you know personally involved with a mm-hmm. per- parish member or a pastoral counselee or somebody who's being uh, directed for spiritual direction, uh, because there, there's a dual uh, conflict of interest. Number two is I would say don't foster a dependent relationship, uh, but cultivate independence and autonomy on the part of parishioners. Uh, third is to avoid living a life of duplicity and deceit, all of which we've talked about. I would avoid uh, personal interests overcoming the interest of those being served. Uh, Avoid exceeding professional competency levels, which I see often, I certainly did as as bishop. Mm -hmm. Uh, Six, don't engage in professional behavior uh, when we're ill-prepared or uh, have little training in. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's all too rampant. the, the one that I try to live by and I promoted with the clergy that I oversaw is not to impose our personal beliefs or the beliefs of the Church or the values of mm-hmm. the Church or spirituality onto the people of God. Propose, but don't impose. And too often we see uh, Church folks imposing beliefs uh, as a way of power and control or a means of power and control rather than proposing uh, church disciplines or values. And number eight is always maintain, of course, professional confidentiality in in pastoral care and spiritual direction. And uh, sometimes that has been breached. I I know that in Roman Catholic circles, at least the seal of um, confession uh, is is respected and it still has a, a high value right uh, but uh, in some circles uh you know you do see this breach of confidentiality wow. well doctor i want to thank you ever so much for joining us i wish you much success with your book i for one am am, am thrilled that this book has come out because i think it is well overdue and my hat is off to you sir and i would love to have the opportunity of speaking with you again in the future Oh, I'd be more than happy to, and I, uh, I very much enjoyed uh, speaking with you today. Doctor, take care of yourself, and once again, congratulations on a great book. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour has been Dr. Lou Bordisso. His website is www.sexcelibacyandpriesthood.com, and that's the name of his book, Sex, Celibacy, and Priesthood. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying 
Thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.